verse 15 reads, And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted to him. And he asked the scribes, What questions ye with them? What questions are you asking, my disciples? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Verse 19, he answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. Verse 21, and he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said of a child. And oft times it had cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, but if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believe. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears in his eyes, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. And when Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried, and rent him sore, and came out of him, and he was as a dead man, insomuch that many said, He is dead. Insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand. I didn't, this isn't what I come to preach, but I need to listen to this part. In so much that many people said he was dead, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he was coming to the house, the disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, this kind cometh forth, but by nothing, but by prayer and fasting. May the Lord add a blessing to read another word. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You can take your seats. I'm so grateful. And I'm going to first give honor to the name of the Lord Jesus. It is the name by which all authority is known. There is no other authority I recognize but the name of Jesus. Look, I grew up in the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, and there is an authority there who's called the Queen. And she has a parliament who, she, who works on her behalf. But there is no authority greater than the name of Jesus. 
Don't get me wrong, I have all the respect and honor they have for running the country and doing what they need to do for us. That is not what I'm suggesting. I am suggesting something else. That true authority is in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's why we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's why when we sing, we sing in the name of the Lord Jesus. When we baptize, we baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus. When we need help, we call on the name of the Lord Jesus. Because there is power in the name of the Lord Jesus. Look, look, <laughs> glory to God. I don't mean to get too excited too early in my message, but there is power in the name of the Lord. You know what, when you need, when you need money, you don't go to the poorest person in the neighborhood and ask for help. You go to the richest person. <laughs> so when I need help, I go to the person who has the power to help. And that's the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen, saints. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Last week, we talked about this idea of authority, that there is authority in the name of the Lord Jesus. And this man, this centurion last week that I spoke about, recognized this authority. He said, I recognize that. I'm under authority too. I recognize when I see authority, you can tell things to come and tell things to go, tell people to go and they go. He was a centurion, he had 80 men who would, if he told them to run backwards around the Colosseum, that's exactly what they would do because he understood that they knew he had power and authority, but that came essentially from the Caesar, the, the head of the authority. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So when he looked at Jesus and said, I have a servant who's under my authority, but he needs help that I don't have the power to give. Here, there's a difference then between authority and power. <laughs> you see, you can have all the authority you want, but if you don't have the power to back it up, doesn't make no difference. <laughs> so you need both authority and power. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> see, a judge never goes and executes a search warrant. You know why? Because he doesn't ha really have power. What he has is authority. So he hands the warrant over to the police officer who has power but no authority. And then they go and take the warrant and go do what they need to do, right? So when we do anything, we have to make sure we have power and authority. That's what this whole story is about here, about what power is and also what authority is. Thank you, Lord Jesus. What we see here is a fascinating story. And you see the disciples actually are in a bit of trouble because Jesus, just before the scripture I read, Jesus has gone into the mountain and this is the moment of transfiguration. This is it's a well-known story where Jesus goes into the mountain and sees Moses and Elijah right next to him. Moses and Elijah come and are visible and he takes three of his disciples only with him. Peter, James and John. He does this like three times in scripture where he only takes his inner circle of his inner circle. The disciples are the inner circle but he has an inner circle within that circle. Peter, James and John, right? So he takes Peter and James and John to the mountain and he goes up and he actually sees Moses and Elijah. The transfiguration, the scripture tells us in the transfiguration that Jesus' garments become white. 
as if a fuller or somebody who whitens cloth has been at his garments, right? And he's seen in this moment and he tells Peter, James and John, don't say anything about this moment right yet. I need to, until I die and resurrect again, I don't want this mentioned at all. And that confused them, they didn't understand. Jesus had been telling them all along, this is about my death. This is about my resurrection. That's where the power really comes in. But they didn't, they were confused by that message. And Peter, James and John were confused by it and they said, well, let's build an altar because we, we didn't know what to say. So they said, let's build an altar for you, for Moses and for Elijah. This is a beautiful moment. But while they've been away at this mountaintop with this revelation of Jesus, where the Lord speaks from the cloud and says, this is my son, hear him. Right, this is what the Lord speaks out of this moment on the mountaintop. He says, this is my son, hear him, listen to him. He has both power and authority. Like when he says something, you better assume it's me saying it because this is me in the flesh. <laughs> Glory to God. This man Jesus on the planet isn't just a some prophet. He is the son of God. He is God in the flesh. <laughs> and so he comes down and while he's in the mountain away from the disciples, the three disciples with him, he's way away from the rest of disciples. They get into this argument, this huge hurrah with the scribes and the Pharisees. The scribes and the Pharisees were the people who were keepers of the law and readers of the law. What you have to realize at this moment is there wasn't a lot of people who could read at this moment in history. Scribes were especially talented because they could both read and write. And so they had an edge over everybody. It's like being the only person with Google, <laughs> right? It's like being the only person who can, like no one else can Google except for you, right? So everybody comes and asks you a question. Well, what does he actually say? What was written? Because they can read and write. So they are natural authority in the neighborhood and in the community. And so they are arguing with the disciples about what is happening with this boy that we read about in this story. This is a powerful story and it's one that needs a little bit of faith to understand what's going on. But this boy is being completely tormented by a spiritual attack on his person. And he's, the scripture tells us that a spirit has controlled his body and he's under the control of this body and you can only imagine how tormenting this must have been for the parents. <laughs> we find out later in the story that this, this must at this point be at least a teenager or maybe a young man because we find out that he's been tormented by this spirit since he was a child. What an absolute tragedy we're dealing with here. The thing that got me when I was reading this scripture is there is a boy there with an absolute need, but somehow the disciples aren't focused on the boy. They're focused on the scribes that are around them. And I am struggling with this. And the reason why we have, to, we have to wrestle with what's going on here is because sometimes we can focus on the people rather than the problem. Sometimes we think about what the situation is going on around rather than what the heart of the problem is. And in this situation, the heart of the problem was a spiritual attack on the people of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
And that what had gotten away from the disciples is that they didn't realize that they needed to overcome this, not by just showing up, but by centering Jesus in what they were doing and believing on the Lord. So Jesus comes back down from the mountain and asks them in verse 14, in verse 15, yeah, verse 16, he says, and he asked the scribes, literally asked, doesn't even ask the disciples, why are you questioning my disciples? Verse 17, and one of the multitude, this man that's standing in there said, Master, I've brought unto thee my son. I brought him to you, which was, has a dumb spirit. And whatsoever he taketh, wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him. This spirit had been tormenting this boy. What I realized about this situation is the torment that the boy's feeling, the father's feeling in a way too. This is affecting the whole family. Like, it doesn't matter which family member it is. If it's my family, like it may as well be me. Like the hurt that's being put on this boy may as well be a hurt that you put on me. Imagine this father has gone to every single situation, every single opportunity to go help, get his boy some help and cannot find any help anywhere and then he hears Jesus is in town he gets excited about getting his boy to Jesus brings his boy to the disciples of Jesus only to realize that the problem's not going away not only is the problem not going away but now a huge argument's broken out and we're not even focused on the boy at all we're focused on who's right and who's wrong and what the scribes are saying and wait a minute what's the problem we got to solve here and the problem we've got to solve doesn't require somebody without authority or power. The disciples are following the right man. <laughs> the disciples are absolutely following Jesus. But apparently in that moment, simply following Jesus is not enough. You need more than just to follow him. You need his authority and his power. <laughs> Following and believing on Jesus is one thing, but we also need power and authority. Let's go to verse 16. He says, and so whatsoever he taketh him, this is talking about the spirit, wherever he takes him, he teareth him, he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out and they could not. Here's one of the things I've been talking about, one of the songs I sang just before the service started was Jesus at the center of it all. You remember I was singing that song? I was thinking about this part of the scripture and I'm wondering sometimes if people are looking to attract people but not because they're centering Jesus. They're looking to talk to people not because they're trying to center Jesus but they're trying to center, center whatever they want. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, they want a full church, right? They, they, they need better income. They, they are looking at the pews and saying, well, I need to fill. I don't care what it is we get. What I care is that whatever we do centers Jesus. So what had actually happened here is that this man had bought brought this boy not to his disciples but to Jesus and in desperation he gave him over to the, to the disciples assuming they had the same power and authority of Jesus but somehow they missed the mark and I'm asking us to never miss the mark about what we are doing here like I want when people to come here they don't see me like I don't couldn't care less about me that's not the point I want them to be centered on Jesus 
Like they're coming here to hear about the Christ. They're coming here to be encouraged and blessed and strengthened by him, not me. And I wonder if this argument with the scribes is, is indicative of what the problem is. Because as soon as Jesus heard what the problem was, we don't hear about the scribes in this story again. Because they were never the point in the first place. And I think sometimes we are looking at the wrong thing and thinking that's the problem when the problem is really deeper and higher. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where um, maybe you're in an argument with somebody or a disagreement with somebody and you realize the thing that you're arguing about can't possibly be the point. There's got to be something else going on. Like, 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 why are we arguing? It's like, it's almost like you're saying, the, you're almost, almost agreeing, but somehow we're shouting at each other. You need to take a step back and say, what's going on here? What is, what is really, is there something else that happened that caused this? There might be something deeper. This spirit had come into this boy's life and this family's life to torment it. And this torment was almost like it was, um, what's the word, where, where it's um, contagious. This, like this torment wasn't just local to this family because as soon as they brought the boy to the scribes and the disciples, now they're arguing. Now they're in torment and doing things. Like this spirit was on a rampage just, and you're focused on the scribes and the spirit is sitting there still doing what it's supposed to be doing. So I'm wondering sometimes if by prayer we need to say, Lord, let me see what's really going on here. Let me focus on what the real problem is here. It may not be what I can see and what's obvious. <laughs> so Jesus is speaking to the scribes and as soon as he realizes where the center of the problem is, he focus turns there. And Jesus' first response when he hears the full weight of the story, thank you Lord Jesus, he's, he's a critic of the generation, of the people. Not just the people standing here. Let me read what he says. He answered him and said, O oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. Like, in my mind, I don't know it's the way my mind works, this is kind of the exasperated response. Like, how long have these brothers been following me now? And yet they still don't understand that the power and authority is with you if you can believe. It's like, um, this, this response kind of reminds me of something my mom would have done. Like, how much, how many times do I have to tell you? How many times do I have to explain the same thing over, you, you can see the exasperation in his voice. You can hear, how many times do I have to tell you the same thing over and over and over again? <laughs> Sometimes I think, um, we, I've said this before, we're focused on the wrong thing. We think we are the center, and I'm here to displace that. There's a beautiful thing that my two brothers here do all the time when I thank them for anything. I'll say, thanks so much for, for doing such and such. A, a minister does it, and, and, and Brother Kujay does the same thing. Whenever I say anything to them, they'll say, glory to God. God, God be praised. I try to give them some credit and, you know, say, good job. God is, God is good. It's a beautiful thing, and I'll tell you why. 
because it immediately puts Jesus at the center of whatever we just accomplished. It's a beautiful thing. Rather than trying to take credit for it, what they try to do is center who deserves the praise. Oh, if there was anything good that came out of this, believe you me, it was because the Lord instituted and made it so. And the disciples, I think what has happened here is that the disciples have done their own thing. It kind of, you know, this whole situation reminds me of what happened. It's interesting that when Jesus went to the mountain just before this moment, Jesus went to the mountain and left the disciples behind. And it reminds me kind of like when Moses left the people and went up to the mountain to see God, right? Moses went up to the mountain to see God and to kind of get the Ten Commandments and he left behind the people and they just went wild. They created a golden calf, they started to worship the golden calf, they started to do their own thing. Um, and, and, and when he came back down the mountain, there's a whole mess I've left behind. And Moses threw down the tablets. It's, it, it, it's kind of fascinating that Jesus in the transfiguration actually meets Moses. Literally meets Moses, the person who had the same problem some generations before. And generation Moses came down the mountain and threw the tablets down, destroyed the tablets. The people had gone crazy. And Jesus is coming down off of the mountain and he's seeing the people, his disciples who he's been teaching and he's saying, you generation don't even understand and see what the critique is it's not even personal for Jesus this is a, a a critique of the generation like your school systems <laughs> the roads the politics the media it's it's generation doesn't just mean you doesn't just mean me it means how you have structured your whole community, society, country, world. I'm, I'm going after all of you because none of you are believing. Your system isn't set up to believe the right way. Gosh, you, you, you don't believe anything. Good is bad, bad is good. You can't, I can't leave anything in your hands for a moment. Let me go to verse 20. And they brought him, thank you, Lord Jesus, unto Jesus, thank you. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, thank you, Lord, straightway the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. This was an interesting moment. They see, my, in my head, in my assumption, as soon as he brought the child to the, 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 the man to Jesus, like things should have been better. But it wasn't. Things actually got worse for a second there. Things got worse. The problem was recognizing authority and power that it couldn't disrupt. You see, the spirit has come in and it disrupted the, the man's family and it was disrupting the disciples. And somehow we'd come into a presence and everything it could do and nothing was disrupted at all. There is no more disruption. It's all its disruption is just in the boy. What has happened at this moment is that even the worst malevolent spirit realizes what authority and power looks like. Like the, the boy was fine up until Jesus came. And when Jesus came, everything about what it was trying to accomplish was in jeopardy. And I'm wondering sometimes if we're bringing the wrong things to Jesus and we need to make sure we bring our problems to him 
so that they can be in his presence. And don't be surprised if it backfires just a little bit. You need to stay the course. You need to stay the course. Like it's going to be resistant to change. <laughs> it's going to try and resist what you're trying to accomplish. But in the presence, his life, in his presence, his life, in his presence is life. Verse 20 says, And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him and fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And this is what Jesus' response is. And he asked the father, How long is it? ago since this came unto him <laughs> and he said of a child look at what he goes on to say and oftentimes it hath cast him into fire and into waters to destroy him but if thou canst do anything have compassion not just on him but on us and help not just him help us isn't that fascinating a problem with any part of my family is a problem with all of us like there's no way i can disentangle your issues from my issues like if i go crazy the whole family is going to be impacted by it like the torment this this spirit is causing isn't just about the boy it's about his entire family and I'd go far as to say it's about his whole community like this is a problem that has been brought to Jesus that is impacting everywhere this boy goes it's causing distraction and destruction and the problem that the disciples had is that they forgot to center Jesus when they went after him <laughs> and folks are going to come in with all kinds of issues not just spiritual maladies but 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 emotional ones family ones deep issues with drugs or alcohol and we are going to want to focus on the drugs and the alcohol but at the center of that person is a person who needs help and we can't be ignoring what the person at the center needs because it's convenient to our discussion we've got to be real careful to distangle what the problem is from the person we need to have compassion on the person even though the problem is tied into the person we've got to have compassion on the person <sighs> look at what he says if thou canst help you know some of us might have assumed that that was a doubt but that's all he's got right now that's literally all he has all he's got is the if of this situation if you could do something you would want to, you'd want for a for somebody who's baptized and who's understanding who Jesus is to say I know you can fix this but sometimes all we can come to Jesus with is an if if you can do it if you can help me if you can Lord I'm wake away but I don't know but if you come with that that's enough to start something going like just start with an if start it might be better it may be there's a chance a probability a possibility thank you Lord Jesus what is Jesus's response Jesus said unto him with his if what does Jesus say back if thou canst believe all things are possible look your if means I've got to give you an if because if you can believe you can actually be saved 
if thou canst do anything. If you can do anything, have compassion on us. And Jesus said, yeah, I can have compassion on you if you can believe. Like I need to tease it out of you. You're getting closer. But I need you to believe to get this ball rolling. What does the man say to Jesus? Jesus says to him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway, the father of the child cried out, said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. The tears, you know the relief he must be feeling? Like I might be at the end of this problem? Let me just do an experiment real quick with, El, with, with minister here. Could you get that to that verse 23? And read as if Jesus is saying it in, in St. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. I want to read it as if Jesus, because I want you to get the desperation of what's going on here. St. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. And I'm going to have minister read it as if he's speaking as if Jesus. And I'm going to come in like the Father, right? So you start reading. And all times it had cast him, verse 23. Yes. And Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him. Lord, I believe. He didn't even want, the way the scripture tells it, it's as if he says it straight away. As soon as Jesus finished believing, as soon as Jesus said, if you can believe, read it again. Let me just do it one more time. Verse 23, and Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible. Lord, I believe. Like he didn't even, the way I see it, he barely let Jesus get it out of his mouth. Like, if you, all you need is belief, and that's all I've got, I can do the belief. <laughs> if thou canst believe, keep reading again. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to them that believe. Lord, I believe. And the part of me that doesn't, I want you to help my unbelief. Come on, preacher. Come on, sir. Wow. Like the part of yeah. me that cannot right now, yeah, I need you to help that part. Wow. Like I struggle sometimes with all kinds of things and my prayer is Lord help the part that can't believe right now. Like make up for the gap I've got in my life. <laughs> if thou canst believe all things are possible to him that believe, Lord I believe. He doesn't even know what he has to do yet. Jesus may be asking him to do all kinds of things. And he says, I believe. <laughs> Haven't even got the full instruction list yet. And he's saying, I believe. Don't worry about the part of you that doesn't believe, saints. Come to Jesus with whatever you've got. And the part that believes is going to help the part that doesn't. <sighs> When Jesus saw the people come, came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him. So things got worse again. <laughs> we think this a, a straight line or instantaneous between bring it to Christ and fixing it and there may be ups and downs after you bring it to Christ there may be trouble after you bring it but stay the course the spirit cried 
hadn't putting up a fight and rent him sore and came out of him and he was as one dead. It looked as if it was over. <laughs> In so much that many said, he is dead. This is how dead he looked. Everybody who was there assumed this man is dead. Everybody assumed this is over. It was made worse than we were in the beginning because it's a terminal situation now. <laughs> the scripture in verse 27 is my, the story of my life. But Jesus. That's the whole story of my life. It should have been way worse. I absolutely should have been dead. Look at what he said. He says, many believed you. Like if you were to believe what everybody was saying about me, I should have been dead. Yes, sir. Yes, yes, yes. But Jesus. Like if you were to believe what they what the history should have been, if you were to believe what the record should have been, I should have been dead. But Jesus took him by the hand. Like some of us know good and well that our story should be way different. But for the fact that Jesus stepped in, we were the one under torment. We were the one who was causing chaos everywhere we were going. We were the ones who were worrying our family and our friends and our mothers and fathers, keeping them up at night, worrying about where we were doing and where we were. Everywhere was chaos where we were, but Jesus took us by the hand. This is a spiritual issue here, but trust me, we had physical issues, mental issues, we had addiction issues. Everybody had something that they were dealing with. And Jesus refused to let us go. Look at what happened. Look, look at what happened. I want to take a couple of steps back to verse 21. <laughs> verse 19, excuse me. Jesus says unto them, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. <laughs> He's not talking about this problem. He's talking about the boy. <laughs> and I wonder sometimes if we sometimes want to associate people with their problems rather than the person. Like, I don't want us to get into the habit of thinking of somebody as the problem, but to, when Jesus died for the sins of the world, he wasn't endorsing the sin. He was saying the people who sin, I think there's something redeemable about them. The sin I want to get rid of, but the people I want to save. Jesus said, bring him, the boy, your son, the one suffering to me. I'll take care of the problem. I know he's suicidal. I know he's hurting himself. I know he's throwing himself into fire. I know he throws himself into water to drown himself. I know he's a walking disaster, but bring the boy to me and I will take care of the disaster. I wonder sometimes if we focus too much on the disaster the chaos rather than the person underneath. Jesus says, bring him unto me. I still love that boy. I love the boy underneath that spirit that is being destroyed. I love that boy. Bring him 
unto me. Bring him unto me. Bring him unto me. Sometimes we focus too much on what's going on on the surface. And we've got to understand that there's somebody underneath there worth saving. You're focused on their bottle. And that is destroying us. I know it's causing chaos, but I want to save that person underneath the drunkenness. Underneath the addiction, I want to save them. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I hope you understand what I'm saying today. Glory to God. And the spirit cried out. That drunkenness, that spirit, in this instant, a spiritual malady, cried out, wanted to stay where it was. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him, the boy, the man, up and he arose. And when he came into the house, the disciples, his disciples, asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? Like, why couldn't we get rid of the spirit that you so quickly and easily came in and removed out? And here's the interesting thing Jesus said. And he said unto him, this kind, this particular kind, can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. I'm fascinated by this and I love this scripture. And I was thinking about what it is to actually pray. And when I, when I think about what it is to actually pray, I am forced to go back to the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is instructive about what it is to pray. And what the Lord's Prayer says and does is make sure that you aren't at the center at all. <laughs> let's look at the Lord's Prayer. Let's read it. Let's read it as, he, as it says. Let's see how the Lord's Prayer begins. Can you find that for me, sir? I didn't even come prepared with this, but, but, but help me out. Lord's Prayer, I think it's St. Matthew 5, 6. <laughs> After this manner, yeah. therefore pray. Yes. Stop right there. Immediately this prayer is not centering you, it's centering the we. <laughs> what is it to pray then? It's to, to pray is to make sure that we think beyond just simply us and me. And we go to the we and the our. <laughs> so immediately the Lord is saying, you're thinking too much of you as, the, as, the, as, the, as what the power is. And you're not the power. You should have been calling on my name even though I wasn't here. Amen, amen, amen. Go ahead. Our Father which art in heaven. And I'm centering you, Father, in the middle of whatever my problem is. Yes. <laughs> and what else does he say in this prayer? Hallowed be thy And I'm going to reverence your name. Why? Because it is, has authority. And it has power. In the first two sentences, you understand what prayer could have done for this situation. It would have centered the Lord in what they were doing. And it would have reverenced the name of the Lord Jesus. We would have been using the name of the Lord Jesus right from the beginning. And we would have centered him in this problem right from the beginning. The problem the disciples had as soon as Jesus left, they thought they were still had authority and power. The truth is, without Jesus in the center, we have neither authority or power. The solution is in Jesus, and without him, we're not going to fix the problems we have. Let me read these last few verses, thank you, sir, and I'll take my seat. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 25 through 29 reads this, And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, crying, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. Look at what happened here, is that the Lord is claiming authority over the boy. 
like you're not allowed back in him anymore. Like this is, this is now mine. <laughs> you, you, you can't do something like that unless you have authority over him now. What he's basically saying is this is my property. Yeah, you may have been here all his life. You may have had habit from this boy from a child till now. I don't care what the last 15 years look like. I own this now and you cannot come back. That's what the Lord does for us. I don't care how raggedy your life was before this. I don't care how wrecked it was. But when the Lord lays claim to it, that past has no privilege or right there anymore. The authority, the power is his. Jesus says to them, you're faithless, but you can get faithful by praying. And the spirit cried out and rent him sore and came out of him and he was, was one dead in so much that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he was coming to the house, the disciples asked him privately, why would, could we cast him out? And he said unto them, this kind cometh forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. My prayer for you today is that we center the Lord in all that we do. We make sure that if we're going to do something, we do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, that we have compassion as he had compassion, <laughs> that we show love the same way he showed love. May the Lord be blessed and may the Lord have a blessing to this word in the name of the Lord Jesus.